Time to express yourself. Where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be the Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. The future of cities lies in the ability to harness the power of technology to solve complex urban issues and create sustainable, livable communities. Michael Bloomberg. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Bryan, producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. For today's show, Be The Star You Are wants to thank everyone who has volunteered and supported BTSYA over the years. We are thrilled to be serving the world. If you'd like to help us celebrate being a top nonprofit with a donation, please visit www.btsya.org. That's www.btsya.org. Every dollar counts, and we will use the funds for our outreach programs. Make sure to listen to Express Yourself wherever you listen to music or radio. iTunes, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. We broadcast from the Empowerment Channel on Voice America Radio, the largest radio network in the world. Salutations! I'm Kirithi, your host for today's show. So today's show is all about cities and how we can use technology to make them smarter. In segment two, we will be having teen guest Vikram Ananta talking about how highways actually ruin our cities. In segment three, you'll be listening to me once again, and I will give you guys a rundown on smart cities and how we can use technology to improve people's lives. Right now, we have Kyothi. Take it away, Kyothi. Oh, wait, I'm Kyothi. Kyothi is me. I forgot my own name for a second. Salutations to my fellow nerd extraordinarians. Extraordinarians? Maybe we have to work on that. I didn't know about that. What do we call listeners of the nerd extraordinaire segment? Nerd extraordinarianators? Nope. We're gonna have to work on that. Salutations from your favorite nerd extraordinaire. Let's just stick to that. Anyway, did you hear that? Nerd extraordinaire? Ladies and gentlemen, nerd extraordinaire is finally back. Welcome back to Nerd Extraordinaire, where debaters and fiction writers unite. Finally, I feel like it's been forever since we've done an actual Nerd Extraordinaire segment. But Chofi is still on vacation in Burkina Faso, and she's still looking at hippos. I think she's in Burkina Faso for inspiration for the new musical that she's producing, and it's called Hippos the Musical. Very creative title, I know. So maybe it'll be a while before we get British Chofi on the show. Just informing you. But really, who actually likes British Chofi? I sure don't. She's annoying and pompous and locks me in her closet at the worst times possible. Yep, I think we're better off without her. I dread the day she returns from a vacation. You know what day I don't dread? 
The day school starts again, because when school starts, debate season will finally start as well. And when debate season starts, I officially enter the intimidating world of high school debate. Which means that when I go to tournaments, I'll be competing against people a lot older than me. Normally, I'm really happy when school starts, but not so much this time, because I'm finally going to high school. Wasn't I just in fifth grade like a year ago? I was fifth grade now four whole years ago. What what happened to time? I'm so confused. Why does middle school feel like it went away so fast? I feel like absolutely nothing happened in middle school and it's done already. Well, it's time to stay on the hamster wheel of staying on topic. Speaking of the topic, what is it? I made it pretty clear by now that today's segment is about debate, but the show is about cities and tech. What is the connection? Let's focus a little less on the technology part and a little more on the city's part. It is kind of a far-fetched connection, but it is worth a try. Ladies, gentlemen, and debating champions of all ages, gather round as we embark on an extraordinary journey into the wild world of debates. Many believe that debates are all about fierce arguments and bruised egos, but today we reveal the hidden superpower, bringing people together in riotous laughter and harmonious camaraderie. Like a delicious potluck of ideas, debates can create a buffet of wit, absurdity, and joy, uniting us in a deliciously delightful dance of words. Fear not, ladies and gentlemen, because debate, donning a superhero cape, is here to save our cities and communities. Today, we're talking about how debate brings communities together, and how it can help us make our cities better as well. Picture this. Let me tell you the story of debate. Ah, debate. The academic wonderland where we hone our arguing skills, witness epic cross-examinations, and participate in arguments about just anything. Consider debate. Two sides. Each side is assigned to argue on opposite sides of a topic. One side against the topic and one side in favor of the topic. In order to win this debate, you need to understand not only your own side in case, but your opponent's case as well. To understand your opponent's case, you, as a presumably good debater, have to see what it's like to believe ideas that contradict your own. You trace the steps you would take if you were to make your opponent's conclusions, and find the holes and stumbles in those steps that you can poke at and emphasize to the judge. So, whether you notice it or not, all debaters consider, even if it's just for a moment, the possibility that they are wrong. This forms a seemingly alien form of empathy. While we normally view empathy as a spontaneous connection, this unusual view of empathy shows us that it's actually the result of many actions. So, how about the city's part, you may ask. Do not worry, young grasshoppers. We will get there soon. Anyway, let's go back to this epic tale of debate. Now, we all know that in order to build a good community, we have to be able to not only have disagreements, but also overcome those disagreements and resolve them. In our time, we have gradually lost shared values and beliefs, but rather than embracing these differences, our people grow wary of each other. And this notion of finding our people and disregarding the differences that we have has come to dominate. Debate, with its unique superpower that we just found, helps us effectively argue and learn how to build a society around and not in spite of people's differences. Walking in your opponent's shoes, forces us to consider the other side so that we can, in a way, disagree better. Debates are a grand worst of ideas. Since debaters are faced with unexpected topics and unexpected sides to argue on, this breeding ground of ideas is created. When two sides go head-to-head, they serve up the most creative roasts, aiming to make their opponents crack a smile. It's like a comedy club where laughter builds bridges instead of walls. We leave the debate stage with our hearts full of mirth, minds expanded, and newfound respect for the other side. 
In the Symphony of Life, debates are the conductors, orchestrating a beautiful medley of diverse opinions. Just like the varied instruments blending harmoniously, debates bring together people from different backgrounds, cultures, and perspectives. It's a global potpourri of ideas that turns into every debate into a cultural carnival of laughter. Now that we've talked about how debate brings people together and creates a community that flourishes, how can debate benefit cities more, for lack of a better, better word, literal way? So now that we have a flourishing community which celebrates people's differences, how do we better existing cities and city plans with debate? Now we embark on an exciting adventure into the world of deba debates and how they serve as the mighty architects of better cities. Today, through debates, various stakeholders, including how they serve as the might, mighty architects and, you know, urban planners, architects, and policymakers and experts, they can discuss and identify critical issues and challenges faced by these cities. These discussions bring light to different perspectives, potential solutions, and innovative ideas to address urban problems. Welcome to the world of debates, where minds collide like celestial bodies, leaving behind a trail of wit and wisdom that transforms cities into compelling and vibrant hubs of life. In a city, diversity is the heartbeat, and debate can be debates can become the bridges that unite these different cultures, perspectives, and dreams. When people from various backgrounds engage in heated discussions, they cultivate a mutual understanding, paving the way for inclusive urban development. Debates break down walls, replacing them with compassionate connections and a whole lot of laughter. Remember, debate is just a fancy word for arguing. And there you have it, fellow nerd extraordinarians. Debate's comprehensive guide to making your cities and communities the best they can be. They breathe life into city councils, infusing once dull meetings with the vibrant energy of compelling arguments and witty banter. With every clash of ideas, debates bridge gaps, connect hearts, and build a city where laughter reverberates through every street. As we stand at the intersection of urban innovation and the power of debates, we realize that building better cities is not just a task. It's a delightful journey of exploration, cooperation, and laughter. By embracing debates and the humorous touch, cities transform into masterpieces, unique, captivating, and boundlessly inspiring. Harness the superpowers of debate and create cities that bloom with joy, diversity, and an endless celebration of everyone's differences. Now, that's all the time we have for this segment. Make sure you stay tuned for our next segment where Vikram will give us a rundown on how the interstate system is slowly ruining cities all across the U.S. We want to hear your thoughts and we want to answer your questions. So email us at info at be the That's info at be the Check out our radio site at www.expressyourselfteenradio.com and our creative community site at www.bethestoryworld.org. You can get involved with Be The Story World charity, buy books and t-shirts in our store, sign up for our free newsletter, and make a donation to Be The Story World. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. 
Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen for our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with our host, Cynthia Bryan. Then on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Play with with us at be the star you are radio.com and the voice america empowerment channel enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us follow us on instagram at voice america talk radio and see what we're cooking up for you You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Hello and welcome back to Express Yourself. I'm your host, Chubby. Today we're talking about cities and technology. Right now we have a guest, Vikram Ananta, and he is on the show. Vikram is a student at Lexington High School in Massachusetts, and he is the class of 2024. He enjoys coding and has a hobby of taking photos and making movies, especially of people. Because he is his school's yearbook photos editor, he gets to capture videos and photos of other people in the best moments, having fun, enjoying with their friends, and more. In addition, he loves cities and urban areas. He uses his experience with photography to capture cities in the golden hour and uses his knowledge of coding to make cities smarter, integrating technology to cities to make the environment safer, greener, and helpful to its people. When Vikram is not coding or taking photos, he's playing tennis or enjoying time with his friends. In the 1950s, President Eisenhower enacted a bill to construct the interstate system to connect the United States. While it worked on a nationwide scale, its main mistake was constructing it within the city as it had disastrous effects. His paper describes how urban areas became polluted, divided, and desolate, and many of these effects had racist intentions. In recent years, many cities have begun to right these wrongs, and with the help from the Biden administration, they deconstructed the highways and reclaiming the land. As you guys can see, this is going to be one fascinating segment. Welcome to the show, Vikram, and we are so glad to have you. Hi, thank you for having me. So, we know that your paper is about the interstate system. So, what exactly is the interstate system, and how is it different from regular highways? Yeah, so the interstate system is a collection of highways that were constructed in the Eisenhower administration. And um, Eisenhower had his own reasons for doing so, but he essentially wanted a connected framework um, such that anyone could get from a city to another city or a city just to outside the city. And what makes it different from a normal highway or, for example, a state highway is that it goes between the states, interstate. Uh, This means that the federal government pays for one part and the state government pays for another part. And this was sort of revolutionary because in in Eisenhower's day, um, the state government never really wanted to pay for a road that would be in another state. 
So Eisenhower's bill made it such that these roads would go between states and the federal government would cover a lot of it. And uh, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. so what makes the interstate system um, a bit special is that it's very standardized. So, for example, there is a certain percent grade that it will be. Um, there are certain exits. They have to be numbered a certain way. Um, you can't have stoplights and people can't stop, etc. It's much like how if you go on a road trip and you see a McDonald's, you know exactly what you're getting into if you go to that McDonald's because it's familiar. It's always the same. Much like that, if you're going on a road trip and you go on the interstate, you know exactly what you're getting into because it's the same everywhere you go. So that sounds fascinating. So I know that your research is completely about like how the interstate system is ruining our like cities. But what are some of the benefits that come from the interstate system? Yeah, so the interstate system uh, is widely used. Uh, in fact, you might have used it within the past week to get somewhere. Um, it's reported that about 1.2% of the roads in the U.S. are the interstate system, but they make up 24% of the number of um, travel hours that are done in the U.S. per day. Um, so obviously, if you're going on a road trip, you're guaranteed to essentially use the interstate system to get, to get around because it was made such that you can get from place to place really easily. But another big thing is that goods get traveled, get transported across the interstate system. So you might see trucks or vans, etc. They're all travel uh, transporting goods. And it makes it one of the United States' biggest um, economic helpers because um, shipment gets done by the interstate system and it's done very efficiently. Yeah, I totally agree that, like, we use the interstate system so much. Like, it's such a commonly used thing. Like, it's hard to imagine life without it. Exactly. So why exactly did President Eisenhower create the interstate system? Yeah, so Eisenhower created the interstate system for two things. Um, the first is that he was in a 1918 military convoy in which he and a group of other people went from Washington, D.C. to Oakland, California. And it took him 62 days to get from one place to another via, via car because the roads at that point weren't um, they were not uh, well made. And in some parts he was going where there weren't roads and other parts he was going where towns looked at them like they were strangers because they were, they were from nowhere and no one, no one from out of that region had ever been to those towns. And this was a hundred years ago. Now it takes uh, much less time, of course. Um, but he saw a need for uh, traveling in a much faster way. The second thing is that in World War II, he was a uh, general and he was stationed in Germany and he noticed the Autobahn, which is essentially the German Germany's version of the interstate system. Or actually, I should say U.S.'s interstate system is the American version of the Autobahn because the interstate system isn't unique to us. Germany had done it first. And he noticed especially that it was so efficient at getting military convoys um, and soldiers in and out of places very fast. So when he came back and when he became president, one of his big things is that in the 1950s, he created the interstate system, largely so that cities could be connected, but also so that soldiers could be transported very fast. And so that in case there was a threat to a lot of people in the city, people could leave the city very quickly. Well, that actually makes sense because you know, if it takes like 62 days to travel, like you want to come up with some solution. So it is kind of understandable. But what were some problems or like obstacles that were encountered when constructing the interstate system? 
So one of the bigger problems was the fact that in constructing the interstate, of course, you need space. And when you're in rural places like Kansas and Nebraska, it's not that bad because a lot of it, um, it's not densely populated. But when you get to closer on the East coasts, there are a lot of people that are living there. And when you need to construct the interstates, you essentially have to get those people to leave where they're living and move somewhere else, which, as you can imagine, might be very hard. So... Uh, tens of thousands of people were displaced with the construction of the interstates. In fact, many more. Um, so that was one big thing, was that a lot of people had to uh, leave where they were living just for the construction of this interstate system. Um, in fact, I have a quote here from a uh, New York Times article from 1969. And essentially, what it says is that... Uh, yeah. So essentially what it's talking about is that uh, there were a lot of controversies in major cities. So places like New York, Philadelphia, um, about the highways. So a lot of civic groups and city officials uh, contended that the like these urban links would destroy the scenic and historic values that and would cause excessive hardship to families and the small businesses that were there. And they would have to be displaced. But in many of these places, despite the backlash, highways were still built because when selecting the routes, the transportation agencies only consulted mayors, public officials, major institutions, but not really with the public. Um, so that's one big problem, is that it displaced people. Another big problem is that it also cut off communities. So in some places where uh, instead of having to destroy the houses, they would just build the highways along the border of these communities. Um, you'd think that'd be fine because it's okay. These communities are largely separate, but it would separate them much more. So if you think, for example, in Austin, Texas, uh, they have Interstate I-35. And essentially what it has done is it has separated the east and the western parts. And these two parts are largely different. They were at the time, and they're much more different now. Because there's this huge highway that's pretty hard to cross, because there's this huge highway that's there, people can't really go between the eastern and the western. So their economic lives have essentially been separated. Um, another example is in Boston, so close to where I live. Uh, they had the, it's called the Central Artery. It's a stretch of Interstate 93. And it essentially cut off Northern End, sorry, North End to from the downtown. And what this meant is that people in North End could not participate in the economic life in downtown. Uh, and downtown, as you can imagine, with all the buildings and the financial district, that's where most of the economic events happen. And if it's cut off, then it essentially separates these two communities much more than it should. Um, so those are the two big reasons for why this wasn't good, creating the interstates. So there are all these like setbacks to constructing the interstates. So do you think that it's kind of like worth it? Because obviously the interstates have their own benefits, you know, a lot faster travel, people can actually like get to places. But do you think that those benefits are worth like displacing these men this many people and all this like economic lag do you think it's worth it i think there are uh sort of two ways to come across this um it i it, it does help the economy uh immensely uh there was a report that the economy was boosted like 350 percent um and it largely largely due to the interstates uh so it has helped us as a country um however i don't think putting it into the cities was uh, a very smart choice. Um, and I don't know if, I don't think it was uh, completely worth it 
Um, but I think it does, of course, have its benefits and it has made um, the country better. Uh, however, uh, with all the problems that it did uh, raise, and there's a lot more problems than just um, cutting off the communities and displacing people, with all the problems that it did raise, there are ways to fix this. So one of the things that the Biden administration is doing is they're making is they're trying to get it that these interstates are now out of the cities, and this has happened in a lot of places: uh, San Francisco, Boston, Rochester, and it's going to be happen. It's going to happen to more. So it's a mistake, but it's a mistake that can in some ways be um, reverted back to what it was before. So what exactly are some of the issues with living in a city with an interstate? Um, yeah, so some of the big issues are uh, the following. So there's a lot of traffic um, that comes with the interstate. Uh, in Boston, especially, uh, the central artery, it's called the central artery because it goes right through the middle of Boston. And that's where most of the people have to go through to, to get to Boston. But the analogy actually fits because it got clogged so much. Uh, there were, it was reported that in the 90s, there were uh, traffic would fall for 10 hours a day. So like out of the 20, like that's, for example, that's from um, five o'clock in the morning to three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, those aren't wow. the exact times, but that's just an example. Um, so 10 hours a day, that's a lot. Uh, traffic was way too much. Another problem was the sound. So with all these cars, there would be a lot of sound. Um, and people did actually try to fix this. They had these uh, sound walls. You might've seen them on interstates. They're basically like just boards on the sides of the highway to try to make it such that the um, sound wouldn't go into the neighboring areas, but it actually didn't help. It kind of hurt a bit more because instead of blocking the sound from the areas, it kind of just reflect, made the sound bounce back and then amplified it. Uh, so these soundboards weren't that great. Um, and uh, the final thing builds off of what I was saying before in that it separated and displaced these communities. Um, because in the moment you think, oh, these people, they have moved. It's okay. Oh, there's this a community, but the highway's built, so it's fine. You, you might think that. But um, it has a lot of longstanding effects. Um, so, for example, if you take Austin, uh, when I-35 was built, um, it separated the east and west part. But then what that made it happen is that it made one of these regions much more... Uh, it made one of these regions have a lot more people... Um, in the upper class than the other region. And if the highway continues to be there for decades on end, it sort of adds on generationally. It, tying it to something today, it's sort of like this debate about um, the like college admissions in Harvard and how they're saying that, oh, if you have legacy admissions, then only the rich people will get into college to make more rich people to get into college. And it's essentially an infinite cycle. In the same way, highways kind of did this because by separating these communities, it made it so that this one community was um, much more well off than the other one. And since they can't mingle and they can't really be connected, they're very separated. And it, it makes this infinite cycle of this community will forever get richer and richer. And uh, you might say, oh, this highway was built like that. It, it was an accident. But the problem is that it wasn't an accident. A lot of these highways were built intentionally dividing these communities to make it such that um, the communities of people with in lower class couldn't mix in the people with the up in the upper class. Um, 
And not only did they try to divide these communities, but they also tried to run the highways right through these minority communities. Um, and that, uh, of course, is not good. Uh, one example of that, which I can find, there's a really nice um, map. It's on a website. It's on, um, sorry, one sec. Yeah, it's on uh, the Washington Post. Uh, and they have a bunch of maps showing how the highway is essentially segregated it. So one is in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, a couple other in Miami. Um, and and so on. Just pulling up the map so that I can uh, show you exactly what I'm... Well, not show you, but... But yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, so uh, one is in Shreveport, Louisiana. A couple others in Pittsburgh in Tampa, in Kansas, in St. Louis, they essentially uh, made it such that these communities were separated. So the uh, white communities and the black communities were completely separated by these highways. And it was done very intentionally. Um, so these are some of the problems in that, of course, there's traffic, of course, there's sound. But there's also just this idea that the highways were built essentially with racist intentions, trying to make it such that these communities would be separated. And they tried to um, they tried to make it such that, oh, but these communities are blighted. It's much cheaper to run the highways through these communities. And that way, um, the construction of this will be much cheaper. But the real reasons are clear as day. So, like, I feel like that's, like, a really interesting way to look at it. Like, I've never thought about it like that, like, the separating communities before, like, there's no diversity in any of those communities. But, like, why exactly would they, like, be racist, be, like, so openly racist like that? Like, um, why would they want to, like, encourage socioeconomic polarization and, like, divide communities like that so that, like, rich people live on this side of town? minorities live on that side of town like why exactly is it just because they wanted to be racist or like yeah so this happened around the time that the courts were striking down legalized segregation so um the highways were built in the 50s and then this is just before you know um everything that happened in like alabama and the civil rights movement in 1963 so it was starting to turn into that time in which um it was starting to turn to that time in which you legally cannot segregate these groups of people. Um, however, when the highways were being developed, uh, they still wanted this segregation. Um, yeah, and so um, when the highways were being developed in the cities, uh, the, the highway planners potentialized integration, uh, integration in housing. So they were built on the formal boundary lines using racial zoning. Um, and one of the biggest examples, like I mentioned, was in Austin. Um, so it's when you look at it from like our 2023, it's that, oh, they're just being obviously racist. But when back in 1953, many people really thought like this. And many politicians, especially in city planners, they thought that these two groups should be separated. So they tried to make it such that they would be. You can't do it legally, at least not explicitly, but you can with this new interstate. And this is partially why the interstates, the people who know the history, it gets a lot of backlash because it was made with this intention. 
So obviously, I would think that like authority of the government right now wouldn't want to be racist, like explicitly racist like that. So like, what exactly are they doing to like fix this issue? Because obviously, we don't want communities to be divided, like by race like that anymore, because this is 2023. So how what are we doing to fix this? Yeah, so in the past, I would say around 20 years, they've been there have been a lot of um, examples of cities trying to um, get rid of the highways in the city. Uh, so one of the more recent examples is in Rochester. There was essentially this inner loop, and it was essentially a highway that would surround um, the city. And Rochester realized that that's not good. So they completely got rid of it. I think construction started in 2011. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, let me actually fact check that really quickly. Uh, construction started in uh 2000 something but okay but it was it was uh completely finished by 2021 and um at that point it's all local roads and what they were able to do is they were able to connect the two parts of the city downtown from the rest of it but they also got um reclaimed part of the city so the highways of course they're very wide and by taking out a highway and replacing it with a two-lane road they put in things like shops restaurants and apartments they had housing built in the uh, place where the interstates used to be. Another example, which I really like because it's very close to home is uh, the big dig in Boston. So it started in 1991 and it ended in 2006. So it lasted 15 years. And essentially what it was trying to do is the central artery, um, which again, part of the I-93 went through uh, the center of Boston and had 10 hours of traffic crawling. Um, The central artery, was essentially moved underground. And although this isn't completely removing the highway, it's getting all the benefits of removing the highway. So for example, um, the 10 hours of traffic is reduced a lot. There is still traffic, I can confirm that being a resident of Boston, but it's a lot less than it was before. Um, It was a six lane highway and now it is, I think a eight lane or 10 lane. Um, And it is much quieter. There's a lot less traffic. Um, and the parts of Boston that were separated, uh, North End from downtown and, and the waterfront, those parts are now completely connected. Um, and where the highway used to be, now there is the Rosa Kennedy Greenway, which is a very nice place to sit. People can gather, people can meet up. Um, and it makes the city look a lot prettier, I would say. Um, so there are countless examples like the Big Dig uh, in cities all across the country. And what they do is they right these wrongs. They attempt to connect communities. Of course, decades of community separation can't really be undone by one construction project, um, especially not 10 years after it's completed. But uh, they do try to make it such that these communities can be more connected. And they reduce traffic. They reduce the uh, congestion and the sound and uh they make the city uh, much prettier. Yeah, that's really interesting how like we're actively working to fix this. Because, you know, sometimes we don't want to like just know about the problem. We want to know about the solutions to it too. So getting a little bit off track. So like, why did you like get interested in this topic? Like, obviously, you know your stuff. I can tell. But, like, this isn't exactly a topic that I would say many teenagers would, like, really want to spend their time on. So what exactly did get you interested in this topic? Yeah, so I noticed at one point that I was always uh, really interested in cities uh, and 
Um, I think I noticed this when we would travel. Um, my brother's really interested in planes. So whenever we'd travel on a plane, we'd be at the airport and he would like be amazed at all the planes and he'd take pictures of it. And he actually majors in aerospace right now. But um, I noticed that whenever we travel, I wouldn't look at the planes, but I'd look beyond the planes and see the cities. And I loved seeing the beautiful skylines and I loved seeing uh, the new construction projects that made cities um, better versions of what they are today. And I love the logistics and transportation. And I, I liked watching videos. So there's a couple channels like the B1M or Fox or um, sometimes The Verge would talk about things like this. And uh, they essentially covered how cities are being um, made better. And I realized that uh, whenever we go to a city, I would get super excited and it made my family really, really annoyed because I'd always be spitting these facts about, oh, this part of the city was made here and this part of the city, um, this happens. I know this part of the city is actually being constructed to be much better. And uh, I could tell that it made my family um, really annoyed. Um, and at one point I realized that I kind of want to put this love for cities um, into a bit more of a productive manner. So I'm also, uh, I really like coding and computer science. So I tried to fuse these two together. Um, I contacted a couple of professors and I said, I wanted to work in um, the labs that they're doing. So I'm doing uh, a couple of projects this summer uh, and they're both related to making city intersections safer. Um, so one is essentially making it safer for pedestrians by creating an app that will warn them of oncoming vehicles that might intersect with them. Intersect is a bad word. Uh, that might like crash into them. And another is for uh, vehicles to make sure that when they are driving, especially autonomous vehicles, they are safe um, from hackers um, at city intersections. So uh, this all kind of makes me really excited about this because I get to... Uh, learn more about cities in the process and I get to deal with cities and, and go to cities to work on this. Um, and especially learning about how cities are being ruined uh, and how they can be fixed um, really is something that I want to pursue a bit more in life. That's awesome. Like, I feel like that's such a unique interest to have. So since you're in high school, would you like... Um, see this as like a career path? Would you see, see yourself doing something related to this in the future? Yeah, definitely. This is something that I would love to do um, in the future. I The research that I'm doing right now, I'd love to continue it um, and make it such that uh, this, research, this research gets put, put into practice and is applied into the products that we use today to make our cities uh, smarter, more sustainable, and safer. Because cities really are where most of the everything happens. Uh, there's a report that about 50% of the people live in urban areas at this point, um, which which is crazy. And um, making sure that that's actually correct. Um, yeah, 50, yeah, about, actually, it's more than that, 56% of the people, 4.4 uh, billion inhabitants live in cities, which is crazy, because more than half the world lives in these areas, and these areas should be made such that they really fit for the people, and that they're made such that it puts people in mind first. So when these interstates come in, and they ruin the lives for many people, it, it something needs to be done about that. Um, so I want to help and make the world and especially cities, much more for the people. 
that's that's really interesting that like it's such an awesome career to go to and I feel like that's not what like people normally think about so like what would you say like how would you encourage other teens to pursue like an interest like that like why is this interesting um it's interesting to me mainly because it's something that I had always liked but I never really knew that it was something I wanted to do and it's actually something it's kind of similar to my brother uh, I said that he was really interested in planes and he would always go to the airport and just like look at the planes and take pictures of them and we're like why are you taking pictures you're not going to use these pictures for anything um but he only realized when he was about 16 that something doing stuff with planes is something that he wants to do later in life um and we looking back on it it's so obvious because he always loved planes but um the sort of hidden um uh the sort of hidden uh interest that he had really made it such that the career that he's going on is much more interesting and same for me and i think the same for most people if you have an interest and you have something that you really like i would try to um put that maybe beyond a hobby maybe put that more than just the videos that you watch at the dinner table maybe try to do something about it especially if you see that there's something wrong and you want to fix it um yeah i feel like you should definitely follow your passions because you're living a life right now and if you're just miserable and doing something you don't like for the rest of your life like there's no point to that so like what would the just one more question what would yeah. the title of like the job be like would it be like a city planner or like a city architect or something like that that is a hard question um probably the hardest one you asked today because my parents keep asking this a lot um I have been thinking a lot about uh, urban studies and urban planning, but especially using my skills with computer science to make it better. Um, I wouldn't say specifically city planner would be the exact title. Uh, however, I would say potentially something along the lines um, of city planning, however, specifically with engineering, um, infusing these two parts of me to make my career, uh, so I can't, um, so I don't entirely know yet. This is uh, something that I've been thinking about for a while, but um, I could say maybe um, head of engineering for the civil engineering department at a university. That would be a nice title. Yeah, it would. Like, I feel like technology is developing so much that we're going to have a lot more job titles in the future. So maybe you don't have to worry about the title <laughs> right now. Maybe yeah. like a city engineer or something. Yeah. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you um, so much for having me. And it, this was interesting. This was so interesting. Like, I've never had a guest on the show like this before. And yeah, again, thank you so much for being on our show. And thank you. that's it for our segment. So please be sure to check out Vikram's Instagram, which is at photos.by.vic and his YouTube at photos by Vic without the dots. And then make sure to check out our radio site at www.expressyourselfteenradio.com, buy books and t-shirts in our store, and make a donation to BTSYA at www.bethestoryouall.org. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Behind closed doors. 
on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and entertained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen for our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with our host, Cynthia Bryan. Then on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Play with with us at be the star you are radio.com and the voice america empowerment channel a little birdie told me voice america is on twitter follow us at voice america trn You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Hello and welcome back to Express Yourself. I'm your host, Cupid. Today's show is all about cities and technology. For this segment, we have me. Take it away, me. Salutations, it's QB. Again, I was here in the first segment of this show. Also the second segment. Also, I was good for the entirety of last week's show. Also the week before that show. I feel like you guys are getting tired of listening to me ramble on and on about stuff. Oh well, you guys are stuck with me again. Yay! I've been told that I'm very annoying, so I presume that many of you are not saying yay. Maybe the opposite of yay. I mean, I'm saying yay, so that has to count for something, right? Anyway, today's topic, cities and technology. Now, don't think I didn't realize that we never actually had a segment on the show talking about how technology is directly used to make cities better. We talked about highways in segment two with our guests. We talked about how debates improve infrastructure in segment one. We never actually talked about how technology makes cities better. So, what do you think this segment is about? How technology makes cities better? I'm sure that none of you expected that. Now, technology already seems to be a crucial part of our lives. But this is just a preview of what technology will eventually do to our cities and their infrastructures. So, what are some ways that technology helps us with our cities right now? Our phones give us instant information, ranging from safety alerts and weather warnings to easily accessible community news. This wide range of information about our city is right in front of our noses. Now, this is just one of many ways we get to learn about our city with technology. But what defines a smart city? Is it just a city that uses a bunch of technology? As the years pass by, city planners and municipal leaders are starting to realize that building a smart city starts with the people, not the technology. Having a smart city that doesn't merely mean adding digital perks to a traditional infrastructure. It also requires using data and technology to deliver a better quality of life. 
So this definition of smart cities varies with the definition of quality of life, which contains a broad range of characteristics. Cities can use smart technologies to improve the number of lives saved, the number of crime incidents, and the amount of commute time, and also the amount of carbon emissions, all of which are key determinants of quality of life. So how do we do this? One technology used in this field is simply data. Data gives us the ability to see events as they unfold and observe patterns, and respond to these patterns with fast, high-quality solutions. Think of building a smart city as making a cake with three vertical layers, one being frosting, the middle layer being the actual cake, and the innermost layer being the filling. The frosting is the technology that citizens openly access, such as smartphones connected by high-speed communication networks. The cake is the part where you have to translate a bunch of data into smartphone alerts that are accessible to the frosting layer. The filling layer is people actively changing their habits. An app only works if it manages to be widely adopted and change behavior, such as encouraging people to use public transit, to use energy and water only when necessary, and to reduce healthcare system strains and clear hospitals by exercising preventive self-care and making sure you don't get any life-threatening conditions that make you go into a hospital and rather have a healthy lifestyle. So let's talk a little bit more about quality of life. A few, few, few key factors of it that are considered safety, health, environmental quality, civic and social participation, employment, and the cost of living. If we keep all of these factors at a manageable level for every single citizen, we can use technology to, to truly create smart cities. Some cities may need more help from technology than others do. For example, let's look at Chicago as a city and compare it to San Ramon, which is where I live. The chance of becoming a victim in a crime in Chicago is about 1 in 13, while that of a person in San Ramon is about 1 in 85. Needless to say, San Ramon's crime rate, crime rate is a lot lower than Chicago's crime rate. Obviously, a higher Chicago crime rate means that, that, that many qual quality life factors are not at good levels. As a result of a higher crime rate, safety could be low. On the flip side, crime rate could be high because employment is low or cost of living is high. Everything affects everything when it comes to cities and quality of life. And just one factor can make everything come toppling down. A higher climate could result in low safety, and then climate could be high because people don't have jobs, people can't pay the rent, so they have to like maybe steal stuff because stealing stuff is considered crime. So that's just one of many ways, which just one little fact about the city can make so many quality of life factors come tumbling down. And you know, in general, just a high climate could make citizens less happy they could be more wary of the surroundings they cannot like maybe if you wanted to go to the arcade but then a bunch of like the crime happened at the arcade so you don't go to the arcade anymore therefore you're not really happy anymore because you're not doing what you like to do just assuming that you like to go to the arcade so as you can see everything affects everything and you have to be really careful with when you come when you talk about what toppling factors toppling down now, technology can't exactly solve crime. However, we can use real-time crime mapping to highlight patterns and anticipate crime before it occurs. When the crime does occur, we can speed up the law enforcement response to solve the problem. So we can prevent the actual crimes from happening because we already see all of these patterns we have from our data. Remember what we said before, data is super powerful. So recognizing patterns in data, you can see that maybe this person is going to commit a crime at the, on this day, maybe at this point of time, maybe on this person, like you can 
observe this many patterns and you can actually execute that and like prevent that from happening before they actually happen. So when they're still in like planning, in the planning stages, you can prevent it from happening. And then when it does occur, because we have such high speed communication networks and like everything is so interconnected in today's world and technology kind of connects everything. So you can speed up the law enforcement response by having all of these, you know, smartphones and computers, you know, before phones existed, you know, like a law enforcement response would be much slower than it actually is like today. So you can see that technology affects our lives in so many ways. And there you have it, folks. Technology and cities. Cities and technology. The grand finale to our wonderful show. Technology won't solve all the problems in our, in our cities, but it does help us innovate solutions to those problems, and it helps us maintain all of these factors of quality of life, especially safety. Using the new technology powers to make our cities become the best they can be. We are out of time for today's show, unfortunately. As always, we express our gratitude to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Empowerment crew, especially our audio engineer, Andrew. Thanks to all our guests from all across the world, and a huge thank you to our listeners for making us a top-rated program. For more information about Be The Star You Are charity, visit www.bethestoryouare.org. Find us on Instagram at Radio. We can harness the superpowers of technology to improve our cities. Always remember to speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself.